Hi there, everyone. We are live reacting to the Canadians winning the NHL draft lottery. Uh, this is kind of incredible because until it happened, uh, we couldn't believe that it happened. So this is a bonus episode of Locked On Canadians with myself, one of your hosts, uh, Laura Sab, also known as the Actress Dick, and I'm joined. I'm so nervous. It's so it's it's live. I like I honestly <laughs> I'm not very good at this apparently, but you know what? I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize, who is literally taking time off from his time off, as you know if you've been listening to the uh, to the to the show this week. Scott has been off all week, and he's here. He's uh, very happy, and we are celebrating with bourbon. Are we not? Yes, we're celebrating with bourbon that I spent far too much money on because I am an adult <laughs> who cannot be trusted with money. We went in for wine, and I left with $108 worth of bourbon. So let's, uh, you know what? We're celebrating. It's happy bourbon. I had sad <laughs> bourbon on the shelf, and then I had happy bourbon that I literally just opened for this because the Canadians are picking first overall at the draft, at the Bell Center, Shane Wright, for the love of God, if they don't pick Shane right, that place is going to melt it, melt to the ground. Will likely be a Montreal Canadian uh, on July eighth, seventh, eighth, seventh. The first seventh. day is the seventh. The second day is the eighth. Right. So, all right. So, I just immediately want to talk about this in terms of even though the Canadians had the best shot. It doesn't always work out for the worst team in the NHL that they do get the first draft pick. Uh, the Canadians are not. Bad luck, <laughs> thankfully. This is so exciting. It, it, I truly, until the moment happened, and I was on the Game Over Montreal stream with Andrew Berkshire and a whole bunch of you guys, uh, it was honestly, I didn't believe it until it happened because, you know, we saw that the Devils moved out of their spot and that was a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit stressful, but every everything else is kind of falling into place, falling into place. And then when Arizona got the third overall pick. I was like, all right, it has to be Montreal's year, right? Arizona tried, Montreal organically tanked, and it has to be Montreal's year. And I could not be more thrilled. Like, this has to be the best thing for a fan base that has had such a miserable year. It, it seems a little bit spoiled to say that right after they got to the Stanley Cup final, the Canadians have the first overall pick. But... I just, I'm so thrilled and so exciting and it's so excited about this. And Scott, I'm going to let you react a little bit because I'm just, I'm, I'm word vomiting. I'm just so happy about this. Uh, it's like, I'm just looking through some of the comments here and it's like, you know, this is a great payoff for a team that, I don't know if it was an organic tank or if it's just everything went wrong and maybe <laughs> the Canadians, which were, should have probably been a fringe team this year, maybe not a playoff team, but a fringe team now get another step ahead in that rebuild and uh sean asks it's like does this set the stage for the leafs sends and habs to all be good at the same time for the first time ever in the next few years and you look at ottawa's got some young talent coming up toronto is obviously very good right now as well and the habs are right on that cusp there that if they can get you know their prospects the way they should be and shane wright is a big part of that yes this is a team that that needed center depth and needed forward help and has that and has more picks coming in the first round and next year and then second round picks through that. It's I truly didn't actually think it was going to happen. I expected number three to flip over and be the Canadians and I was just going to be upset, but it's not. And this is for all the poo-pooing people want to do for Shane Wright that he's not exciting and that he's not Connor Bedard and this and that. 
Shane Wright slander has gone so far, and this always happens. We talked to Tony Ferrari about this, is that at a certain point in the draft season, everyone goes, but what if it's this guy instead? It happened with guys like Gabriel Landeskog and everything. It's always the guy who's been there all year. I'm very happy to get a Shane right in here because you have Nick Suzuki, who is an incredible first-line center. You have Shane Wright that you can slot in next year, and we've talked about this in that middle six role, and it, it all just kind of works for what this team needs right now, and I'm I'm so excited. The, the Bell Center is going to be rocking when they go up there to announce this first overall pick, and yeah, Habs fans are scarred, Doug Wickenheiser, et cetera. Don't forget, they also drafted Guy Lafleur first overall, so like, it's not all bad. Sometimes it's bad, but it's not all bad all the time. I love our comment from maybe it's Ian, who is a frequent guest on the show. Pain for shame. The trade is one for one. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think that there's any chance the Canadians will flip this pick unless you're getting something like they're not ready, right? Like they're a rebuilding team. If they had, you know, if they were a couple pieces away, then yes, they might to get to get those last pieces. But I don't think that that's happening. But we do need to talk about how does this change their plans? Where does he fit into the lineup? And all that's coming up in just one moment. But first, Scott, I know you were there for this. Just before Christmas, my car broke down. I had the check engine light go on, and I was so worried about it. I went to the chain store that's really close to my house to find out what was going on. The problem was an oxygen sensor was broken, and I had to get a new one. And guess what? They quoted me a price I was not happy with, but I knew because I know from this podcast that rockauto.com is the best place to go for wherever whatever car needs you have. Parts, accessories. So I went and I got, I literally got the same part for a quarter of the price. I'm not lying. So, you know, this is just, you know, a note that if you need anything, go to rockauto.com. They've got an easy to use catalog. They've got all the car make models and years, like anything, even if you have a classic, you'll find it there. The drop down is so easy to use. It's a catalog. You can even choose your own price. And after all of that, it comes directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com and don't forget to tell them that Lockdown sent you uh, in their How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts, your car will ever need. And speaking of an amazing selection, let's talk about Shane Wright and where you would put him in the Canadians lineup. Now, you're not the only one who said this. Uh, we talked yesterday to Dylan Waugh. We talked with uh, with uh, Ian Boisvert. We talked with Andrew Berkshire. A great place to put Shane Wright is right behind Nick Suzuki because if you want to say that this guy is too good for where he is right now, but he's not necessarily super ready for the NHL, you put him behind Nick Suzuki. You divide up the matchups and Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield aren't taking the worst of the worst, the hardest matchups. And you've got two lines that can score. And the Canadians have pieces that you could put with Shane Wright on that second line there. What are your thoughts? Cause I'm looking through actually, it's interesting you brought up the other uh, comments and or other pieces. Uh, the comments are asking about Joshua Wah, someone who I think and a friend of the show, Matt Drake will also say is someone who deserves a shot in Montreal, at least for his nine games after tearing up the queue this season, and he's lighting up the playoffs right now, having a second line who can, like you said, take away some of those, that eye and that pressure on the Canadians on Nick Suzuki is phenomenal. And I look at this and go, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield produced very well under Martin St. Louis, despite basically getting every heavy defensive, you know, matchup that they could have possibly had. And Suzuki, you know, 40 assists, 21 goals. Cole Caulfield, top 20 goals. Almost had 25. Giving them a second line that actually forces teams to match up plan a little bit is a huge step forward and allows Martin St. Louis to kind of 
uh, applies concepts across the board here. Assuming they're keeping Christian Dvorak, and right now I have no reason to think that they are not, unless the uh, unless the uh, anything comes along, a massive opportunity at the trade deadline or uh, draft or whatnot. Because I see someone mentioning trading the other first round pick and Dvorak for like Pierre Luc Dubois, which one uh, I would love that. I think that'd be a phenomenal idea, depending on who's still on the board. But would Winnipeg do that, though, is the question. That I, They re-signed Kevin Day off for three years, and they've been mediocre to terrible for most of his tenure there. They absolutely would do something like that because I do not think they are a well-run team that is... <laughs> this is not to slander the Jets, but it's a little bit to slander the Jets because Mark Scheifele is a coward. The opportunity is there to make things happen very quickly now in if they were picking second or third where things get a little bit dicey on who's going to be the pick and whatnot, the game plan for the organization changes. If you have Shane Wright, your organization now has your potential, you know, one B to Nick Suzuki's one a for the foreseeable future here. You don't got to, you know, worry about finding another center down the line right away. You should add more centers because centers are good. You can move to the wing. You keep it center, whatever, the pressure is a little bit lessened now. You pick Shane Wright, and then you go from there, and you do your draft research and your homework and find some of those other pieces that you need, but you don't got to worry about this one. You have your next center, and I'm not going to say he's going to come in and be a Calder candidate and that he's going to be Patrice Bergeron and that he's going to you know, figure out how to fight Godzilla on the moon and do all this other stuff and heal Carey Price's knee, and then he's going to walk on water and actually finish all the construction in the city <laughs> but he's going to be a very valuable part of this Canadian's lineup. I really like some of the comments that we're getting. Uh, 22 Paper Dolls. Hi. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people saying he should take another year in the juniors because he lost time for COVID. What do we think? So we talked about this with Tony Ferrari, actually, on the episode that we had him on. It was long enough ago that we talked about a few players. We weren't just focusing on Shane, right? Because we thought that's probably not going to happen. And he said, and I think that this is key, is that there is no rush to bring him to the NHL. But if they want to do that, it's not necessarily a mistake or rooting the development. Because I think that one of the, the something that's a misconception is that often when a player is brought to the NHL level too early, people think that's ruining the development. I think it's how you do it, how you deploy him, what support you give him, and what kind of like you know, advice and stuff you give him. If you're bringing him up to the NHL to bench him every time he makes a mistake, that's not really a good way to develop him. But right now the Canadians have the luxury of knowing that they'll be bad. So they can play him because they'll still be able to fill the seats. You know, you've got Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, you've got Shane Wright, first overall pick. The Canadians will still be able to fill seats. Fans will still be watching this team. They'll be getting excited about the future. And around that, the Canadians will work on the development. They've talked about how much they want to improve their development overall, not just in terms of, you know, their prospects, but also the players that are there right now. It's like it's an ongoing thing. So I feel like the way that the organization looks at it, it's not necessarily the end of the world if they bring him up next year. And to me, I think that my big fear would have been like if this was the previous uh, front office, I would absolutely say like it's much he's much better off like staying in the OHL for another year. Uh, I think that definitely with with uh, with 
Shane Wright coming in with a team that's expected to be bad. He can make all those mistakes. He can do that thing where he learns to play against NHL defenses, against NHL offenses. He can figure out the reads that Martin St. Louis most likely uh, will be will be teaching them and 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 trying to get them to sort of uh, you know play as a team, like play as a, like a unit. The, implement their philosophy is what I'm trying to say here. Wow, live shows are really hard. <laughs> so I actually had a point to add on to that. And the thing about Shane Wright's game is it's very, it's well thought out. It isn't a reactionary game. He is um, proactive in what he does in his reads. He's He's got very strong defensive skills. He makes the right play. It's not always flashy. Like Connor Bedard is uh, you know, amazing. And I am not going to say that Shane Wright is going to be Connor Bedard because that would be doing a disservice to both players. But Shane Wright knows where he needs to be and what plays he needs to make. And I think that helps his adjustment to the NHL level. If he can read the game so well that he's, you know, very clearly the first overall pick in this draft, he he fits right into what Martin St. Louis, you know, trust your instincts. Even if you, you know, make mistakes, you know what? You made the right, you had the right idea and it didn't happen. What else do you think you saw out there? And then you try that. And I think that's a very important thing. And I think having someone like Nick Suzuki, who played the game the same way in the OHL, potentially more offense in Suzuki's game, but that cerebral aspect of it is so important. And it allows you to think on your feet a lot quicker as a young player in the NHL. And holy crap, am I excited? I haven't had this. My hands are shaking. It's not because of the bourbon. It's not because of the three energy drinks. If my girlfriend is listening to this, it was one energy drink. It's it's exciting. Shane Wright, for all the flack he's gotten this year, which I don't know why, as Tony Ferrari put it, the Shane Wright slander has gotten out of hand. And here's the thing is if you bring him in for the preseason in his nine games and he's not quite ready, you know what? Maybe you send him back. It's not the end of the world because the Habs aren't expected to be good next year either. That's fine. It allows the Canadians flexibility. If he's great, cool. He sticks. If he's not, all right, maybe you go back to the OHL, make up for that lost year, and you go from there. You know, it's not the end of the world if he's not 100% right away. Same thing as if they were picking second and they picked Logan Cooley or Simon Nemitz or whomever. It doesn't matter if they're not fully ready right away. They have the opportunity to be patient with the rebuild here and figure out what they're doing. But this gives them their roadmap a little bit. They have their strong starting point now. You are picking first overall, free agency after that. You have rookie camp and then main camp and everything. You have your roadmap. Follow it now. What do you want to do if you were Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and Martin St. Louis and et cetera, et cetera here? And speaking of all of that, I guess the last thing I'll say in this segment is just that the Canadians have the luxury of being able to be patient. That's that's the big thing right now on their side. Not only do they have, you know, their stockpiling picks and all of that, they have like assets that they can trade for value. They also have the luxury of patience. They don't have to make any rush moves, any sudden moves. They don't have to rush a player. They can take the time, get all the information. And yes, I absolutely agree. Tanking again next year would be ideal because Connor Bedard, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then not a third year because then they won't be eligible to win the draft lottery again. Uh, in the meantime, the next thing we're going to talk about is how does this change their immediate offseason plans? And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, if you listen to the show at all, you will know that Scott and I both love Built Bar. It is summer. We're going outside. I just started running again. And Built Bar, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And it's coming in. It's like it's a major staple of my life right now. Um, and, you know, they've got 18 delicious flavors. 
flavors. They are all low in sugar. They're high in protein. They're made with real chocolate. They are so, so good. And every once in a while, they also have a special edition flavor. I think today's was white chocolate birthday cake puffs. I mean, that sounds so amazing, doesn't it? But either way, I use them a lot, you know, uh, before or after running or hiking as an on-the-go breakfast because, you know, I can't get it together a lot of times. Either way, check out Built.com and you'll find all of their amazing flavors. And if you use our promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That is LOCKED15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. All right. What do you do if you are Kent Hughes now that you're looking and you've got the first overall pick, assuming that right now you're sitting like this is, you know, you're sitting with all of the draft picks you currently have, including that Calgary draft pick that people keep asking about. What do you do? Uh, I go and order myself a tall glass of red wine because it's been a (laughs) lot this week. My thought is with Shane Wright is now you look at where are your other weaknesses in the prospect pool. They do need winger depth in the prospects. Uh, it's a little light on some of the sides. You have older guys who are going to age out very quickly here. You do need help on defense. There are a lot of defensive prospects coming, but you cannot gamble on Fairbrother and Gooley and Norlinder and et cetera, and et cetera, all making it at once. You got to have a backup plan to your backup plan because sometimes everybody gets COVID, gets injured, gets traded, et cetera, and you end up with this season's Canadians. And I also think that it changes the plans for free agency a little bit. We've heard Kent Hughes say both – They want to go after a big name, but also they want to kind of wait and see what's going on and not overspend because they do have a cap overage next year because of bonuses, which, oh no, our young players, they were so good. We have to pay them money. Oh no. And it comes (laughs) out of Jeff Molson's pocket, but I don't care. Go buy a 12 pack of Molson. It'll be fine. It it all might change the approach to free agency because we thought they're going to go hard after Patrice Bergeron. Okay. I thought they were going to go hard after Patrice Bergeron because I like to troll Bruins fans. You might not have to go spend big on that free agent center now. Maybe you get another veteran if you trade Christian Dvorak, but you don't have to spend the likely, you know, eight and a half million dollars on a top end piece now, and you can fill out your lineup with another veteran. And I think that's the big thing. And now that they're getting right first overall, I would look for them to take a run on, you know, high upside skill wingers because they do need some of those in the organization. Joshua was great. Riley Kidney, who is a center, is great. Xavier Simino, who is a center but is an overage player, very good at what he does, kind of like Rafael Harvey-Pinard is. They need a, a game-breaker. And I'm not saying they, they're going to find another Cole Caulfield. If they did, that'd be awesome. But they need to look at finding that next game-breaking kind of talent. We look at uh, someone like a Pavel Mintukov, someone I really, really like, who can play that rover Kalmakar style of hockey that's so important in this NHL. And I look at that and I go, do you try and trade up for someone like that? And you make a big splash. You get right in Mintyukov in the first round. You're, you are coasting for the rest of the draft because that's a big piece there. It's uh, it's very interesting to see now because I do think they're going to make a, a go after some names in free agency, whether they want to sign here or not. And it all depends on how well they see their um, uh, uh rebuild going in this and someone said that the canadians have no money for free agents this summer anyways we also have to assume shea weber's contract is going out to somewhere we gotta assume guys like a petri a byron an armia and etc are likely leaving and i think that there is the potential that they can make a move it won't be as big a splash they were anticipating and we don't know what's going on with carrie price yet that's ten and a half million dollars that is up in the air right now he either plays or we don't know so there could be a lot. It could be 
likely a very painful season next year, but that's not the worst thing in the world when, you know, you have Maytevi Michkov and Connor Bedard at the top of the draft board again. I think for me, it's not just a game breaking forward that they're missing. They're missing a true bona fide number one defenseman, like somebody who's literally a no brain, exactly like you said, like a Kale McCarr, like somebody that you look at and you're like, this guy is going to constantly be in the conversation as best defenseman in the league. That is what the Canadians need. They need somebody who's good enough to be top five, top six, top seven in the league. And they're like, unfortunately, those things don't grow on trees. They're going to have to find it through drafting or potentially trading for a prospect that's good enough. And I personally, I think that's what I would focus my draft energies on. Uh, and in terms of free agency, Kent Hughes did say he wanted to bring in a veteran to replace Jeff Petrie if Jeff Petrie goes. I understand why, because the team is young, like the defensemen are young. Like this is definitely one of those things where you're trying to develop a defense and you're trying to build a defensive philosophy. So it's really, really important that you have somebody who knows what they're doing back there. But at the same time, even if the defense even if they don't find that, even if they stick with what they've got this year, I think that the system needs to change as well. Like some of the offseason work needs to needs to have to do with bringing that defensive defense and bringing it in line with the philosophy of being a fast skilled offensive team. Like that transition game needs to be there that that, you know, they need to be able to create rushes. They need to be able to exit their zone. You know, there's minute like things like that, where even if you don't change any of the players on this team, and you bring in Shane Wright, like that's still going to need to be fixed overall. So I'm not too fussed if they don't go too hard in free agency. I'm very, very interested in who they draft and whether they try and collect more draft picks or move up any kind of spots. This like that. That's what my eye is going to be on for this draft. Or and this I look season. at a lot of what they did at the end of the season under Martin St. Louis, where guys like Jeff Petrie looked like themselves. They got Joel Edmondson back. Do they trust that this is not a new coach bounce and that this is the team actually playing up to their potential? Yeah, they were bad, but because they lost how many pieces out of their team here and weren't very good to begin with because of the way Mark Bergevin constructed the roster here, are they going to come out better than last year? Because I think the minute they had that disastrous first month, it was over. There wasn't any coming back and the injuries and the COVID started and just no one was happy. I don't think they're going to start as bad. I don't think they're going to be great right off the bat, but I don't think they're going to be whatever they were under Dominique Ducharme, under Martin Saint-Louis. And if they trust that these guys are bouncing back and want to be here, they don't have to go out and spend heavy money. They might be able to find some of those cheap pieces to come in like a Corey Perry did when he was here and fill that void and really help out this team here. I'm. It's a fascinating offseason, made even more... It both makes things easier and at the same time, just as I don't want to say mixed, but and cloudy, but as unclear as possible because you don't know what their next move is. Now they play, you assume they're drafting Shane, Wright, But now, okay. Free agency. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? It's a very fascinating off season in all the best ways. It's not a, Oh God, what are they going to do next? It's a, huh? Okay. Let's see what happens next. I feel excited to know what this ownership group and this management group is going to do. Not going, oh no, their their offseason, which was leaked ahead of time, is going to be Cedric Paquette and Chris Weidman and David Savard. All due respect to all three of those players, but you just lost in the Stanley Cup final and your plan to replace Philip Deneau was that. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Really? So. 
Yes, it's, it is true that so much hinges on price, though. Um, that is a comment that we're seeing. All right, we're going to wrap this up real quick. I just want to mention one comment. Steve Forte, give a call to Jersey Package and Petri Plus for the second. You should talk to Locked On Devils host Trey. He's been trying to trade the first overall pick, even though they didn't even win it. Uh, so please go ahead and do that. In the meantime, our coverage obviously is going to focus a lot on the draft. We're not just going to be talking about Shane Wright and what he brings. We're going to be talking about what they're going to do with the rest of it um, and some of the development. We're going to talk about the queue. We're going to talk about, you know, Riley Kidd. And, and, and Joshua Raw. That's all coming up. So please stick around. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You'll find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You will find me at The Active Stick. Uh, and when you're done this, please check out Locked On NHL, where in about 20 minutes I will be hosting a roundtable and trying not to gloat that the Montreal Canadiens have won the first overall pick. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you so much for joining. You made this live show super fun, even though I was super nervous. Bye, everybody. Bye.